doesn't have an end. It's the story of life. It's the story of strife. It's the looking for the ocean. Doesn't... What, what rhymes with ocean? Motion. Commotion. Um, <laughs> other I words. I want to use every word to end emotion. <laughs> um, <laughs> devotion. Oh, um, in theaters now. I saw that at the fest with Johnny Majors. Who knows if it's still in theaters by times episodes that I heard it's bombing. Um, but... <laughs> Is Devotion the name of a movie? Yeah, it's the one I saw where Jonathan Majors um, was here in Chicago for. Um, mm. It's bombing at the box office. Uh, he plays a fighter pilot in the Korean War with Glenn Powell, reprising his role from Top Gun Maverick. Oh, man. Yeah, wait, you, you too, Glenn Powell. Get some mileage out of that Actually, mustache. That's my, me too over here. My, my take on that movie was, well, I think, obviously, I think Jonathan Majors is always great. I can't think of a movie I've seen him in where I don't like him besides, like, hostiles where he has like a two-line role but my take on that movie was i felt more bad for glenn powell because he has like the definition of like that type of co-lead role that is frauded into supporting actor that gets a nomination because he is really good in it and it shows a side of him you haven't seen before but the thing is of course that any other year that would help him that would happen but he's in top gun so everyone's just gonna look at this movie he's like hey it's the guy from top gun and they're not gonna actually like acknowledge how good the work he's putting in is yeah, I feel bad too because I accidentally confused him with Miles Teller. Glenn Powell does not have a mustache. So, yeah, I was like, uh, sorry I mean, about maybe. that. I'm a, I was like, maybe he has a Glenn. I, I can't remember if he had a mustache in Devotion or not. I don't think he does, though. Yes, but Miles mm. Teller has the really bad mustache in Top Gun. Correct. Oh, I was going to ask you how your Thanksgiving was. My Thanksgiving was awesome. I mean, it's been very rainy here in New York, but I you made a roast. Were you in New York for Thanksgiving? That's what I was wondering, actually. Did you go home at all or no? No, it was, I'm kind of getting ready to do um, holiday theater things, so a lot of holiday parties and stuff like that, um, which is all very cool. It's going to be lots of Christmas money, but I, I can't really go home because I don't have the money yet. I have to be here to work over the holidays, Makes so sense. I was just in New York. Do you work on Christmas Day? I don't know if I do. I don't think I do. Ho, ho, ho. But it is, I mean, that's like... It's whatever. It's not like now, I can't go home another time. But. For listeners of the podcast, they might wonder why I just said ho, ho, ho. It's because Mark has a history of me almost casting him as Santa Claus. But then I instead cast him as Leprechaun. <laughs> what? I, I, you were originally really my happens? choice for Santa Claus in my reading for um, the Shamrock Shake. But then I got another actor... I won't say the name of the podcast because I haven't talked to him since college, even though I have still a lot of respect for him, even though I haven't seen him since then. Um, I Once I, he signed on, I was like, okay, no, he's got to be Santa. Mark oh, can be a leprechaun. It will be funny. Do I know who this is? And now he's like outstripped us all? Oh, no, I don't. I mean, I think you know who it is. I'm just being vague about it because I haven't talked to him in a while. But it's not like Christian failure. Boswell. It's not like Christian Boswell where I think it's funny for me to drop his name. It's just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I don't know who we're talking about. And Did you they think were it was Christian great. Boswell? No, I thought it was... It's neither. Um, it's, uh, well, I can just say it now, and you can cut it if you want to cut it. Because we built it up so it's... Everyone listens to this podcast. Oh, like, yeah, who are these very people? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, whatever. So, um, yeah, they're all cool. Yeah. Maybe I'll just bleep all of them. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be um, pretty funny. But... Don't, don't bleep, you know. Don't bleep Christian Boswell. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but uh, my Thanksgiving was really cool. I watched a lot of movies that I haven't seen in a while just as like comfort watches because it's been rainy and disgusting in New York. So I rewatched, um, I rewatched Heat. I watched The Last Emperor, and I rewatched The Departed. The Departed. I saw that for the first time last Thanksgiving, I think, or maybe the year before. I don't know. Go on. Sorry. It's a great great Thanksgiving watch. I also started... Amazon has, like, three copies of Heaven's Gate, so I'm watching the longest one, um, and just to see what it's about. And it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's not, like... You know, I I couldn't recommend it to anyone. I'm really annoyed that Amazon doesn't even have the version that Criterion released, where they took out the sepia toning. Oh. So that's that's really the reason to watch it would be to watch the Criterion release without the the sepia, but they don't have that. And Is I also it on, started. Uh, it's not on HBO because um, usually HBO has the Criterion versions. Um, no, I don't think so. Mm. I mean, HBO maybe I, I don't know. I okay, can check again. Kind of removing everything right now, so. Very possible yeah. was on it like three months ago, and now it's not. <laughs> but yeah, but well, whatever. Um, but then I also I've I've kind of been working through Heaven's Gate really slowly, and I've also started uh, Bahubali, which is the RRS film. Did you guys, film. no. <laughs> but I don't I don't think I will because I autumn I immediately like Bahubali more. Like, I've never seen Bahubali. I do need to watch Bahubali. But I guess my hope is that the music box or somewhere around here will eventually screen it, especially because now RRR is big. You know, it's like, check out what made him famous beforehand. Oh, sidebar, that is not my topic. But did you see that Nope is having a 70 millimeter screening at the River, um, not the River East, um, the Lincoln Square? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if you want to go to that or not, but I'm just praying because I looked, well, someone sent it to me. Someone first sent me that the Lincoln Square one was happening. I was like, I don't believe it. And I was like, I know no print exists because I've been tracking a print because I have my beloved music box theater that has 70 millimeter. And I'm like, please book Nope. And it turns out the print debuted last November, not last November, like a couple weeks ago, November 3rd at the American Cinethique in LA. I probably just butchered the word pronunciation of it. Um, so there's a 70 millimeter print they're going to start to tour. I believe also LA is going to get one. Um, and hopefully the music box will get it soon too, because I want to watch Nope on 70. Um, sorry, yeah, m- the maybe. movies you watched. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I'm going to get to, I need to rewatch Nope, but I've just, I'm kind of at a place right now where I have, I'm seeing a few things live and it's kind of taking up my live watching things budget. So, I mean, yeah, you gotta save money I don't know. for, um, Avatar, but we have water. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I thought there was th- there were a few films that I thought about going out to see on Thanksgiving weekend, but I think it was just better that I stayed home and watched what was freely available. That's fair. So, yeah, I-, I went to a couple movies over Thanksgiving weekend. How did that go? Well, you know what? They were. It's very unusual. as happens, and in fact, one of them I already rewatched because I was. Concerned that maybe I overrated it because it was very unusual for him to be so positive on it. Um, but I saw two movies that I feel pretty confidently will remain in at least my... No, yeah, they'll probably be my top ten. The lowest of them, they come in at number three and number six of the year to me. Alrighty, so it's like, wow, dang, these movies like really impressed me. And those two were Glass Onion 
and which is what I saw twice because if I didn't see it twice now, I'd have to wait till it's on Netflix, which I hate watching movies on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. And then The Fablemans, which I saw on Sunday. And let me tell you, well, first off, hot take, Glass Onion, spare the Knives Out. I can believe that. Yeah, to me, Knives Out is a good B-plus movie. Glass Onion is a solid A. There are some issues in it, but it's so much more entertaining to me than the first. And I think it has a way better mystery. So I think the first one, it's got like, it's decorated like a murder mystery and has the atmosphere. But the actual mystery is really not good. Whereas this one, like, very clearly, like, sets up multiple suspects for you to, like, be like, okay, well, who is it? Who is it? Till the end where you're like, oh, okay, yeah. So you feel, yeah. and you feel good at the end. Whereas in the first one, it just kind of felt like to me, like, you know, Benoit Blanc at the end is like, this is everything that happened. And blah, 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 blah. And this is like, Blanc's like, hmm, we got to find out their motives and their opportunity. Well, man, my Benoit Blanc was way better at the beginning of that. that and now it's back to speaking of generic suffering guy. I don't know. That was interesting. I, th- I do I declare that. there are suspects in the bit. <laughs> <laughs> does, uh, does, does he ever say, like, you know, I, I think that this is some sort of glass onion. There is a lot of... No, because, okay, I won't spoil too much because everyone's like, you gotta go into it blind, and I agree that you should go into it blind at least on, like, the actual plot on any point, but it takes place at a billionaire's mansion that is shaped like a glass onion that he calls the glass onion. The basic setup, I can tell you the basic setup of it. The basic setup of it is Blanc gets invited to a billionaire's murder mystery party during the pandemic. And since he's going crazy, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll go. But it being a Ryan Johnson whodunit means there is a lot more going on there. Okay, will there actually be murder? Hmm. Hmm. And I wonder if they'll make reference to the pandemic. They make a lot of references to the pandemic. I wonder if some people are going to be pro pro mask and anti mask. Actually, some, some I will characters say that. probably I will want say to that. get the vaccine and probably no, don't. I will say that. I actually I'm very impressed with this movie, both the production design and the costuming. The costuming in general is good, but what I really like about it is the first time all these characters meet each other, you can tell so much by how they're wearing their mask. Um I was like, oh, wow. that's great. Like, that's really good. Because, of course, Benoit Blanc wears it perfectly because he's Benoit Blanc. But then everyone else wears it, you know, a little bit different. <laughs> and you can tell who they are and what they believe in from that. And I kind of like that about it. That's the only time really the pandemic comes into play. But I don't know. It was a fun time. It's really good. And the other one I saw was The Fablemans, which is about as much as I think you've probably heard hyped about. It's Spielberg's best movie since AI. What I find fascinating about it that to me is that it's not really cathartic. I'm going to be vague on it because the distribution on it is terrible. <laughs> Even worse than Glass Onion. Because at least with Glass Onion, you have the promise that, you know, it will be on Netflix in a month. And also the thing with Glass Onion was I feel like if you're in a big... I, I'm trying to be careful because I know a friend of mine could not see either Glass Onion or The Fablemans over Thanksgiving. And he was really upset about it. And I don't blame him. I would be upset about it too that neither of them were playing by me. Um, but I think a glass onion is, is like, I don't know. Let me, let me give you, this is the rant I had ready. And I, if you're, you follow me on Twitter, you've seen this rant, but I found out yesterday that the Fablemans is currently scheduled to release on premium video on demand the Tuesday after this episode comes out, which for us at the time of recording, we're recording this the Wednesday after the movie went air quotes wide. That means this movie will be on premium on demand 
in about two weeks, maybe a little less, which is insane because uh, this is Spielberg's passion project of the last, I don't know how many years. Honestly, it's it's not even a passion project. It's a movie that he's kind of been like, I think he said he couldn't make it till his parents died. So it's coming from a place of love, obviously, for them. Um, but also, it's a movie that's about the magic of the movies. So you gotta, you should see it in a theater. But also, here's the thing. It will be available on premium video on demand before Glass Onion's available on Netflix. And if you look at the theater count, Glass Onion was actually put out in about 50 more theaters than The Fablemans was over Thanksgiving weekend. The Fablemans currently has less theaters than I believe Tar ever had in its largest release. And... It just feels too soon to me. Like, it's it's the type of movie that'd be perfect for Christmas. My big thing is my dad, right? My dad loves going to the movies. What he does not love recently is how there is no movies for him being released (laughs) in theaters. Because the only thing I think he's seen this year, besides Glass Onion, which we all went together as a family over Thanksgiving, um, he saw Top Gun Maverick and he saw Spider-Man No Way Home. He didn't even want to see Spider-Man No Way Home. He just went to see it because there was nothing else out. And he's like, oh, I heard Toby's in it. I like Toby Maguire Spider-Man. There is nothing else this year that he's wanted to see that's stayed in theaters or been in theaters by him. And he told me, oh, yeah, I really want to see The Fablemans. It's not playing by him in a town that's full of seniors. It's not playing anywhere near him. And here's, here's my point. Glass Onion had more screens and will be on video on demand, air quotes, because you have to pay for Netflix. In a more time after its initial release, than The Fablements. And that is crazy to me because movies like The Fablements make their most money during Oscar season. You know? You can't just put it on... Because the rumor I saw was January for Peacock and Blu-ray. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like, what are you doing? This is the type of movie that, you know, once it gets like, what's whatever, 12 Oscar noms, it will probably play decently throughout January and February. And the thing is, it didn't even do that bad. All the headlines say it bombed. I'm looking at it. It only looks like it bombed because it came out in 600 theaters. The per theater average, which, you know, do I need to explain what that is? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The per theater average is how much each individual theater that showed it made. The per theater average for it is higher than essentially any movie that came out this weekend besides Glass Onion, which sold out like every single show that it was at, which makes sense. Um, because that's way more mainstream than the Fablemans. And I believe Black Panther's still doing better than it. But Black Panther should still do better than it on a Thanksgiving weekend. So it's like, I don't know why they're giving up on this movie before it even really came out. Because <laughs> I don't think it's doing that terribly. It's just doing okay. Who's distributing it? That's It's universal. It's not even focused. It's universal pictures. What are they doing? <laughs> Spielberg should be pissed. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not expecting the Fieldmans to do great. But I'm expecting it to not be put on streaming three weeks after it's put on 600 theaters. That's like, again, that's like worse than Tar. That's worse than Banshees of whatever. I can't ever pronounce any of the new Martin McDonough film. <laughs> I, I'm not going to try. I'm going to butcher it. But like, no, that's, that's my fine. That's, that's like, it's like, it's crazy. It's literally like insane to me. And also the fact, honestly, the fact that Banshees and Tar are already on video on demand is crazy to me too. Because it's like, how are these movies, like... The whole business model of the Oscar movie is dependent on those movies playing in theaters during the Oscars. But if they're at home, in particular, so if the Fableman rumor January release is true on DVD, that means it'll be on Peacock in January. And Banshees will be on HBO Max by the end of the month. They've already said that. So it's like, how 
do you expect to make money off these movies? At on any level. If you're just gonna push them onto like air quotes free streaming immediately. This is my rant about distribution. If you ever listen to Wise of Time Dan, you know I rant about distribution very, very often. I think film distribution is going in a terrible direction that's full of very stupid business decisions. Because well, I I I'm sure everyone expected the- a Glass Onion rant where it's like, look at all the money Netflix left on the table. But it's more, yeah, to me, I'm, I'm more just... about in- how people wear or don't wear their masks. What? I'm sorry. I just, like, I have no love for that movie. Glass Onion? You haven't even seen it. I just don't like Ryan Johnson. Whatever. I like this one more than his last one. But you also hate The Last Jedi because you hate women. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was just like, uh, I, I do wonder about that because I hadn't even considered what you just said. That's like, oh, yeah, they do have to like, for as far back as I can remember, they were in theaters before the Oscar season to keep being in theaters. So I wonder, like, you know, I I don't know. I, I wonder if they're trying to push people towards the streaming services and then just get but more people But people like on my them. parents don't, don't care about like, streaming services. My dad just wants to use a Cinemark gift card. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he gets a Cinemark gift card every year. Not necessarily for me. In fact, this year, this is very specific. We had a white elephant exchange. My dad got a Cinemark gift card from it, okay? I'm like, well, okay, great. What are you going to spend it on? He's like, I don't know. What's out? I'm like, honestly... Until, like, unless you want to, like, unless the Fablemans hits you, I guess you're going to have to use it on Black Panther. Because I literally look at the release schedule, I'm like, I guess you might want to see Avatar. But, like, again, these are all just blockbusters. And, mm-hmm. like, it's really just, like, a, such a bummer to me. Because my parents used to always go to the movies. Like, literally, I remember even in 2019, like, these are, again, air quotes, blockbusters. But they'd ask me, like, Danny, should we see How to Train Your Dragon 3 or Lego Movie 2? I know those are both animated movies, but it's like, even the good-looking animated movies don't even get, like, major releases anymore. <laughs> Turning Red. Because my parents literally asked me, I remember, when I flew back from seeing Turning Red, they're like, oh yeah, we want to see that when it goes wide. I'm like, it's not going to go wide. It's out on Disney Plus right now. And they're like, what? Why? That's stupid. I'm like, it is stupid. And my parents still haven't seen Turning Red. But they would have gladly gone see it in March just to kill, like, go to the movie theater. I just look at these, because I, me and Julius, former guest on the podcast, Julius Jefferson, we went to go see former the Fable guest, Wins. Julius Jefferson. Former, former, former and future guest, probably. <laughs> In <laughs> memoriam of our guest, Julius Jefferson. We saw the Fable Wins and we kept making these jokes about how we were... It was a packed theater, but we were the youngest people there by like 50 years easily. Maybe 40 years, because I guess we are in our mid-20s. But it's like a big old people movie. And also, like, um, critic I follow, David Sims, tweeted, tweeted a similar thread to mine. Not saying he ripped me off, but he did tweet a similar thread to mine. He's like, this is like the ideal Christmas movie after everyone sees Avatar. It would be, let's just all go see a family movie about this kid who wants to make movies. And very specifically, um, the tradition of Jewish people going to the movies on Christmas. There you go. It's literally, there's a scene in the trailer where Paul Dano's like, which one's our house? And the kid's like, it's the one with no lights, dad. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like... Does the Fablemans make you feel good? This doesn't have anything to do with like maybe the I final, guess they should be they should the, be distributing it more. But the, well, it's just also I'm like, just curious. The respect for Spielberg here. Come on, like Spielberg. Yeah, like, I know. It just goes to I mean, bat just... for the theatrical so much. He literally 
he sh- he famously shot on Netflix, you know? And then mm-hmm. Netflix gives Glass Onion. I, I mean, yeah, it's got the stupid one-league qualifier, but it's in more feeders. And again, it's not going to be on video on demand until after the, the Fablements. So it's not going to be on Netflix until after it. So it's like, if Netflix can do that, why can't Universal give it to, like, one of their biggest, like, I don't, I don't want to say cash cows, but like, come on, he made E.T. I hate to be like, yeah, he made E.T. like 40 years ago, but like, he made E.T. It's still E.T. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, The Fablemans, I was going to say, the final shot of it lives up to the hype. It does make you feel really good about yourself. The rest of the movie is like this really, it's... It looks it, very dark. It's honestly. really, um, Julius said this to me before we watched it, but also it's like a very common thing. It's very much just like Spielberg, like... I've never gone to therapy. I always said I made movies instead, so why don't I make the most therapeutic movie possible? Which is why I think it's really interesting that to me, I'm one of my, my weird thoughts on it was like, huh, I didn't feel like that movie had like any catharsis at all, but I'm okay with that because I don't think Spielberg has catharsis. <laughs> like all this stuff is going to remain unresolved with him the rest of his life. And that's okay. And that's kind of what this movie is. It's like, oh man, this is so messed up. This kid went through all this stuff. But yeah, I highly recommend, well, you know, you don't like Ryan Johnson. You should probably, like, watch Glass Onion late at night some night on Netflix, put it on in the background. For This is for Mark. Everyone else should just watch it, but as someone who doesn't like Ryan Johnson, he should just do that. Why not? It's on Netflix. But for the Fablemans, if you can somehow find time to see it, highly recommend. Don't do premium I mean, video yeah, on I should... for it. I know, it's, I know it's a long movie and you're busy, but if it's somehow still playing in, like, New York in January, it's worth it. Yeah, I don't think I'd feel bad about seeing the Fablemans. I just... It's... The I know you're busy. Year that it is. Was it one of the movies I, I actually? Pres- I presume it's one of the ones yeah. you were considering this weekend. This yeah, week. yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, it was just. It, it's been raining for like five days <laughs> over here, and I'm just like, I need to get out of bed. I need to do some email things, and then just like make it through. Yeah. All right. Before we before we move on, mm-hmm. guess who I thought the best part of the Fablemans was? The monkey. I meant we're doing we're being serious. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. being serious. <laughs> uh Paul Dano. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um I mean I've read up on your things. I am uh, curious about the Fablemans. It's just, you know. Well, the one thing you might not have read on my my review on Letterboxd is um I feel really bad for Seth Rogan because I feel like this is like probably his either one of like top three or maybe even his best performance. But obviously no one's going to talk about him when he's surrounded by Paul Dano and Michelle Williams. <laughs> like It's funny, too, because I've never seen him in the trailers or oh, any of the promotional he's the material. He's in the trailer. He, he's one who goes like, you stop making movies, your mom, your mom's going to be really hurt by that or something like that. Oh, yeah, I don't even remember that. He's just okay. shaved, so you probably didn't recognize him. He's still kind of... His thing is funny is he's shaved... So he's kind of not recognizable, but then he wears the trademark Seth Rogen glasses. Like, you know how he, like, wears the same glasses, like, in every movie? Yeah, he wears yeah. them in this. So it's like, all right, like... The man knows his look. Yeah, true, but I I don't know. To me, it's like, you'd think Spielberg would be like, all right, this this is my movie. Get out of my... <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> He'll wear my glasses. Well, they wear the same glasses, so it's... They wear very similar glasses. I'd yeah, be surprised if he made Seth Rogen change his look, just to fit in the movie yeah that's fair did you have anything else you, i feel like i hogged the time did you have anything else you want to um, say about the stuff you did uh it's just uh, i don't know you you were talking some in some episode recently about scorsese women maybe we were both talking about that and 
Between The Departed and The Aviator, which I started, I just want to say that, like, yeah, I feel like... On, well, honestly, because you did mention this about The Departed, I think that Vera Farmiga's performance is underrated, but she oh, is written the role to is kind riff. of, like... I thought the role yeah. was but I think she's good in it. Yeah, I do think that she and also Catherine Hepburn, as soon as played by um, Kate Blanchett, are kind of, like, as soon as they get into the relationship, are infinitely less interesting because they're like so in love with the guy and they lose the skepticism that but I'm right, it gets better near the end of the aviator but it's been a while for me in the yeah. aviator um uh, yeah the aviator is the one that i didn't finish but i put it on before deciding to watch the departed yeah i like the departed more um mm-hmm. now you got me thinking it's family because you know i have my oscar podcast i'm like ooh, that might be interesting i'm curious which directors have won like an actor each acting award because i feel like scorsese definitely has because kate blanchett won supporting for that ellen burston won for alice doesn't live anywhere obviously joe pesci among probably other ones you know what i mean like uh, i'm sure there's another supporting actor scorsese winner besides joe pesci and you know um goodfellas and then of course de niro won for raging bull right so i think so yeah so yeah. it's like he's got he he won an actor all four of them so I'm curious who else, because the reason I bring this up is because I remember people speculating that the reason Michelle Williams is going lead for Fablemans is because it's the one Spielberg hasn't directed a win to, but having seen the movie, it's really stupid. It seems she's like su- 3D chess. She's, she's supported. Know. Well, it's it's just, I feel like it's got to be, I, I don't want to be like, because I, I was just like, how dare they disrespect Spielberg, and I'm going to like trash him and say, I think this thing that Michelle Williams is saying is her idea is Spielberg's, because it makes no sense to put her in lead, because one... She and Paul Dano are a movie about the same. No one's going to argue that Paul Dano is the lead of the movie, right? They're only arguing she's the lead of the movie because it has to have a female lead along with a, a male lead, and obviously the male lead is the kid. But I don't think it does have to. I think she's still clearly in supporting. The other reason it's just stupid, though, is like, again, we have Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett already in actress. Lo- like, locked up, it's going to be between the two of them. It does not matter how good The Fablemans is. There is no way the narrative is going to beat People saying this is Kate Blanchett's best performance yet, and the entire movie belongs to her. Or Michelle Yeoh, who is famously completely slept on and tell everything everywhere all at once, being in the face of that movie and being so good. I don't want to say she's the best performance in it, because I think a lot of people actually say it's Kei Hai Kwan. Sorry if I mispronounced it. I think I actually know that at that time, but if I'm wrong, please write me angry letters. You, you, you're very close. Yeah. I feel like he's the best, like, you don't mispronounce his name. <laughs> I went really quick. Um, I went really quick too. It's like I nah, want to hit the <laughs> Well, no, I was like, I want to go quick. I don't want to mess this up. But my point is, is like that's the reason why there's the argument for shit because it's like, well, he's obviously going to win the Oscar. Knock on wood. But like, I literally like, who else could win that Oscar? Like, come on. Be, <laughs> he, who, he's who been the obvious the, winner since March. <laughs> who else are the best actor? Um, oh, I'm saying he's he's supporting. Or, he's in supporting. Oh well, who who would he be against? Brendan Gleeson and Bansy is basically his only real competition. Now I'm curious, and then we can move on to our games, but if you, I, I'm opening up Gold Derby to see what the uh, current odds are in supporting actor. Because I'm sure, yeah, Kevin is easily ahead of everyone else. Uh, the odds on him are, uh, oh, this is a really dumb website. Uh, I clicked supporting actor and it just gave me everyone to have to scroll down to supporting actor again. All right. So supporting, yeah, these are this is this will not be it. I can guarantee you, their top five will not be the noms. Um, but Kaihei Kwan is currently has eighteen to five odds. 
And Brendan Gleeson is behind with 9-2, a.k.a. 2,700 people are predicting Kaihei Kwan to win. That's followed up with 600 people for Brendan Gleeson. So he's behind ahead the the front runner. The other ones are Ben Wishaw for Women Talking, which looks terrible. Sorry, Sarah Polly. I will keep beating that drum until I see the movie. And I guarantee you, even if I like the movie, I'll still say it looks terrible. Um, and then Paul Dano and then Chud, Her- Chud Hirsch. I guess I could see oh Chud my. Hirsch making it, but I don't think Chud Hirsch will. So I don't even know what Women Talking is. What is... Well, watch the trailer afterwards, and you'll understand why I think it looks terrible. The key word is looks. It is the ugliest. It looks, the trailer made it, I got the trailer in front of Till, and it was really funny because I was, like, the attached trailers were women talking in Creed 3, and Creed 3 was first, and I was like, wow, dang, Creed, are you, I think you're looking at it now, aren't you? Just looking at the cinematography. (laughs) Mark's smiling. But I mean, I don't know. I actually don't mind this. It's a pretty stacked cast, actually. Uh, I think if you watch the trailer, you'll get one. It looks like an SNL short to me. Oh, the the, okay. the visual effects of no, just the visuals of it. I'm sure the movie's good because it's got great reviews, but it's it's really hard to make me want to see that movie when it looks mm. like that. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm not, I'm not saying you're. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just like, oh, I kind of want to watch the trailer now. Should I watch it and do a real time reaction, or do you not care? I mean, I think, you, okay. I think you can watch the opening 30 seconds and get the gist of it. So, yeah, go ahead. Do right. it, do I just want to know what this thing is that I've never heard of before. I, I, You know, after watching it, I think that SNL has, has in the past, really nailed dunking on award <laughs> shows. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, like, with, even saying, with like, that knowledge, hy- I'm like... I I'm would, saying, like, you know, the I, hyperscope cinematography along with the HBO-level color grading. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah but like... I mean, I don't, but I also think that these, these actors are all like people that I wouldn't hate to watch. That's kind of, that's kind of the issue is that like, yes, you could get these people like playing a joke on themselves at SNL, but I think, you know, it would be, it would be whatever. It's not, it doesn't look like it's, it's not offensive to me. All right. Before I do Letterbox Game, because we're here, and this will be fun, because I have it open, I want you to try to guess, and we won't do the whole round. What we'll do is, I want you to try to guess what the current top ten, it doesn't have to be in order, the top ten movies are in odds to get nominations for Best Picture this year, okay? Once you get oh, one geez. wrong, we will, like, that will be the end, okay? So we'll go All one right. at a time, and I'll tell you, it doesn't have to be in order, just say one at a time. Alright, Tar. Tar is in number six, yes. Banshees. That's number three. Fableman's. Yep, that's the front runner currently. Alright, everything everywhere all at once. That's second. The whale. Number eight. Now we're so getting tricky. You've got I should have been counting. You've got I think two, three. I think you have five so far. You have half of them. Okay. So you've reached an F. No, I'm kidding. We don't grade like that. <laughs> we uh, reached the 50%. Well, is Women Talking potentially nominated? Women Talking is number four in the predex for nomination. So you're at six. Okay. Now. All right. I will um, say this about the remainders. You have two films that have not been released and two films that have been released. Oh, okay. Good hint. Because <laughs> I'm like, is the whale out yet? Is that your guess? No, because I already said the whale. No, you didn't. Did you? Oh, yeah, I said the whale. Oh, you did. Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the whale was number um, eight, you're right. Now I'm looking oh, at it, like, man. oh, yeah, there are two. There still are, yeah. 
Well, you wait. have to tell me that women talking exists, so I don't know if. Wait, like... wait, wait! If you had the whale, then I miscounted. Then you are at you're at um you're at six films with the whale. Glass onion. Nope, you fail. Blomp, blomp. Right. Glass onion was thirteen. The remainder in order from most likely to least likely was at number five, Top Gun Maverick. Number everyone always rolls their eyes at that. I point out that Ford v Ferrari is the exact type of movie of Top Gun Maverick. The difference is Top Gun Maverick also has the added advantage of being ridiculously huge at the box office. So I I do think Top Gun yeah, Maverick but Top is Maverick's not a biopic. So it doesn't matter. That's it, just Ford v Ferrari bio, wasn't popular like, because it was a biopic. It was because it was white dudes racing around. <laughs> like, yeah, but I think it's the old white dude I movie of the year. <laughs> it's not about. I think because it was a biopic, that's why it was an Oscar contender. Like. No one would, no one cares if it's just two white dudes racing around. Like, it has to be historical. Yeah, for but some like, reason. if you. That's why it got it. Besides the Fablemans, I don't think any movie I'm about to say really appeals to the old white man demographic. So, which is still a big chunk of the Academy. Uh, number seven is Babylon. Number nine is Elvis. And number 10 is Avatar The Way of Water. And just to quickly say, the three, in, the two in between Glass Onion and these 10 are The Woman King and She Said. Although I think she said we'll probably drop down a lot soon because it's kind of bombing. I should have guessed the Women King. The other ones are kind of like I thought about guessing like as a blockbuster curveball Wakanda Forever, but I didn't Wakanda want Forever to is like until eighteen. Triangle of Sadness, I'll find oh. the Western Front, Pinocchio, and Empire of Light are all above it. Oh well, Triangle of Sadness won't that win Best Foreign Film? Funny story there. I'm laughing because I made the same mistake before I see it. It's actually a film in English. I just assumed it wasn't in English. Yeah, well. (laughs) It's it's in English. (laughs) I don't know, man. Square is amazing. All right. Shall we move on to the actual game that you want to play? Yes, I do. (laughs) All right. The Letterboxd game. Letterboxd has a feature that says the films that are most algorithmically related to the film you just watched. I have a list of ten movies. Mark gives me three numbers beforehand. We pick. We go with those three numbers. We figure out. I give him. I give him the films. Letterbox says is related. He guesses. I don't. Do I really need to go like step by step the rules anymore? I think most people. If you just are wrote it down, you could say it in one who sentence. Who cares? Who cares? Most people. No one's gonna join in on the bounding episode, right? It's gonna be like, oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> Click. That was my Benoit Blanc voice. Well, no, what you're going to do is I what I do. I presume Benoit Blanc's favorite <laughs> Pixar sure is about it. No, you're, you're going to do <laughs> what I do when I listen to podcasts. If I really like it, I'll try to listen to all of them. So you might start with the guest episodes, but then you're listening, and then you get to a point where you're like, oh, man, <laughs> I know I know Julius Jefferson. I hate that Julius Jefferson and I don't want to listen to their episode. So you listen to start listening to random ones and then you get on the bounded episode and that's when you miss the letterbox game thing, but because it's been a while, you know, you Okay, all right, fine, fine. Miss that. I will give Mark the first five films related to this movie. He gets two guesses, then he gets the year the movie came out. Then he gets two additional movies with the two additional wrong guesses. So for a total of five guesses, if he doesn't get in five guesses, he loses. Mark gave me three numbers beforehand. These movies are numbered from most popular on Letterboxd to least popular on Letterboxd. And Mark, this time, hit the most popular film of these ten. So this next film is going to be the most popular of the ten films I put in the algorithm. So are you ready for your first round? Yeah. All right. Films are Barbarian. Smile, Us, 
mirrors the black phone. Uh, Orphan First Kill. It's not Orphan First Kill. Orphan First Kill is not in the top 25. All right. I don't think it was Prey, but was it Prey? It's not Prey. Prey is not in the top 25. This is a 2021. And it is an actual 2021 movie. It's not a festival movie that released this year. All right. Um, 2021 horror. What was I doing in 2021? Well, probably sheltering in place for the first half of it. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what's throwing me. Well, no, honestly, because I, I was working I mean, during yeah, the whole yeah. pandemic. Um, wow, look man. at you. Just like one of the people in the glass onion. Yeah, I I really hope they mentioned the security guards that had to be there to pay rent and how their like relationships. Someone should write rent too. <laughs> Make it about that. <laughs> do you think yeah. if John Lar- Jonathan Larson didn't pass away young, do you think he would have written a rent sequel like Android Lever Love Never Dies? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I actually think he would, honestly. Like, no no joke, I can see him, like, returning to that community and, you know, trying to, like, explore that a little bit more. Um, but I don't actually know anything. Um, I saw Tick, Tick, Boom. That's not what yeah. this film is. It'd be really funny if it was Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get, for, the, for the Norm of the North episode, you have to do, like, glitch <laughs> at Letterboxd <laughs> recommendations with only the weirdest recommendations. Um, what horror movies came out? Um, was it Halloween Kills? It is not Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills is not in the top 25. Also, I'll say right now, none of the Halloween movies are in the top 25. I'm giving you this extra hint because I just want to know, you do mean Kills, right? Because that's the second one. The new one is Halloween Ends. I do mean Kills because okay. in my mind, Ends came out this year. Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe you're that right. would put Kills later. I mean yeah. earlier. Well, you're right because it is a tw- your Halloween Kills is a 2021 movie. Um, so uh-huh. the next one you get is the Cabin in the Woods. Their sixth film. Was it the Northman? Not the Northman. Northman is not in the top 25. So now I'll give you your final film and give you do the recap. Okay. So the final okay. film is Terrifier. So your seven films. This is a film from 2021. Your seven films were Barbarian. Smile, Us, Mirrors, The Black Phone, The Cabin in the Woods, and Terrifier. This is the most popular film of these ten on Letterboxd. I, my brain is not processing what happened in 2021, because I cannot remember where I was or what I was doing. Um, I was, uh, speaking of all of that, you know, it's, today is Spotify Rap Day. It feels like we <laughs> just had Spotify Wrapped, because I was, I was like, really oh, I hope they this fixed year their font design or whatever. <laughs> I was really relieved this year that, um, for once, they did not recognize Kids Bop as my most popular thing. Although, I did crack up that my most re-listened to song this year was September, which means I really did not listen to, re-listen to many songs, because that just means that my most re-listened to song was the song I only listened to on September 21st. <laughs> My last guess will just be Lights Out to wrap this up because I cannot think of horror movies that came out then. All right, it's not Lights Out. That's not not top 25. The reason I think this is really funny that you missed this is because this is consistently a movie you always guess whenever I give horror movies. 
And it's a film you know I watched in October. Because we talked about me watching it in October on this podcast. Do you know what it is, Mark, now that I've given all this? Or no? No. It is Malignant. This is when ah. we to see Malignant at the music box. Um, that's that's how far back we are. Um, so yeah, Gabriel. We stand Gabriel. We love him. The reason I'm thinking of Spotify Wrapped real quick is because I watched The Departed today and it made me think about the movies that I've seen the most times in my life. And that's probably one of them. Because I think, like that Spotify Wrapped, it's not necessarily representative of like the films that I think define my taste in film, although I love The Departed. Um, it's just, it's interesting to think about what are the films you have seen the most times. Mm. Mine, according to Letterboxd, is a film, well, besides a short film from college that shouldn't be on Letterboxd. Um, it's, it's apparently, um, a movie that we'll cover on this podcast at some point. Oh, you know? Yeah, Letterboxd, well, it, I'll put it this way. You know how there's movies you saw when you are a kid that you probably watched infinitely and you have no idea what those are? Obviously those aren't Letterboxd, but like... From college onward, I know what my most watched movie is. Actually, from oh, high school okay. onward, because I imported my high school stats on Letterboxd at one point. So, yeah, I guess I'm talking about like intentionally watched. Hmm. After well, you I mean, like Coco, probably is it still came into existence. Mm. Are you ready for your is next Is it Coco? Round? No, it's not. Coco. Yeah, it is Coco. I just said it was Coco. Oh, well, it is Coco. Why film. do you think that shouldn't be on Letterboxd? No. There's another film that's above Coco that shouldn't be on Letterboxd. I don't want to say on this. Oh, it's a secret. Okay, that's fine. It's, it's, a, it's a student Wait, film that shouldn't be on Letterboxd. It's a student film that should not okay. be on Letterboxd. But I also have to log it every time I watch it because it's, okay. it's funny. It's, it's wow. funny to log it. All right. That's right. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, next question. All right. Five films are the Texas Chain. No, sorry. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, Scream 2022, Terrifier 2, Scream 4, and Terrifier. Scream 1. Nope, it can't be Scream 1 because so Scream wanna, is already in the franchise. Do you want to re- retract that um, guess? Yeah, sure. Um, is this Halloween Kills? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yay! All right. Great. I had to remove... Finally. I'm not going to say all the Halloween movies, but I had to remove two, four six halloween movies already and then if we continued on i'd have to remove two more because the next one and after that the next two would have been freddy versus jason and i think the strangers pray at night so but yes this was halloween mm-hmm. kills not a good movie what a surprise everyone hates it i do too i thought right. this was the most political one maybe that's what? why you hate it i don't know what what when did i bring up politics no i just thought that's like no, people, people don't like Halloween Kills because like it. it's boring. Oh. Yeah, it's really boring. All right, you ready for the final round? Yes. Your five films are Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Goosebumps, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, and The House with a Clock in Its Walls. I have to say, besides Goosebumps, all these movies have annoyingly long titles. <laughs> well, that's that's my guess. Then is it the is it that one movie, The Cure for Wellness? It's not a Cure for Wellness. Cure for Wellness is definitely not in the top twenty-five. A Cure for Wellness is like a hard R, like R-rated movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Um, 
it seems like something that would have a long title, but it's for children. Is it that, uh, I don't know if this was a horror movie, is it that Netflix movie that was like um, Mrs. Pennybottom's Club where they make sourdough and read books? I'm going to look up the title of that because I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, I think it's like the something society. Yeah. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, I assume is your guess. Yeah, is that your guess? Yeah, that is, yeah, that's my guess. <laughs> I assume that's what you meant. <laughs> um, I have to read the title again. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society is not the film. It is not the top 25. The year this movie came out is 2022. Oh, okay. Children's Horror. It has a long title. Or maybe not. Was it Hocus Pocus 2? It is not Hocus Pocus 2. Hocus Pocus 2 is not in the top 25. The next film you Was get it? is not going to help you much. The next film you get is Harry Potter and the... Which one? Chamber of Secrets. Um, you gave me the year right, so that's common knowledge. Could you remind me of the year? It's 2022. Was it Disenchanted? It's not Disenchanted. So I'll give you the final film, which is the outlier here. And I don't think it'll help you much, because it is... I, I, I don't know why it's here. It feels like an insane outlier to me. But I'll give you that, then I'll give you the recap. The final film is Donnie Darko. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it's the 2022 okay. films where the related films are Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Goosebumps, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, The House of a Clock on Its Walls, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and Donnie Darko. I will say, I think this, you know, earlier you're saying we should do someone one on where they're unusual. I think this is definitely an unusual, like, unusual movies round. Mm. I don't, I, I don't think... <laughs> I don't want to say I don't think any of these movies directly relate, but I think there's a very bizarre missing commonality here that I would assume would have popped up more. I can't, because uh, my brain went to Doctor Strange, but that wouldn't be less popular than Malignant. Unless yeah, it would. Pop- this the is the least popular space. movie we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Still has 71,000 views, though, so not super unpopular. Is this Wendell and Wild? Yes, it is one. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the 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 missing commonality is um the animation. I was very surprised none of these are animated. Mm -hmm. Um, looking at the top twenty-five, yeah, there's no animation. I'm curious when the first animated movie pops up. Now that I'm thinking about it, Mm -hmm. doesn't animate. Pretty good run for me. Yeah, considering I feel like these were a lot of classics, which I keep. which I have been guessing or not guessing, and now we can cross them off the if-then list. Yeah. There's of... not a single animated movie on this list. That's very weird. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't you think that's super weird? <laughs> like, there's not even yeah, Coraline's yeah, yeah. here. I mean, I'm surprised that Coraline I, isn't there. I'm also like, no Coraline and none of Jordan Peele's other stuff, too. So it's like, hmm. what? Like, it's, where, like, it's you wild think... to me that Wendell and Wilde predates Get Out in terms of production, I think. Isn't that true? Yeah, no, because initially um, no one wanted it, and then Get Out happened, and then it was like, oh, yeah, no, we want this now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's Scott Key and Peel involved, not just Peel. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah. What's, uh, so, what are your thoughts about this rabbit? Mark has no games anymore, just so you guys remember, we're doing once again a funeral dirge for Mark's. A funeral dirge for, yeah. What's, oh, uh, 
It's okay. Yeah. Danny Danny played the guest of us picture odds game with it. Will Danny ever be quizzed again? We don't know. We didn't just you know bounce. How many how many of the director's films that I watched? How many of them have been canceled? Not canceled. Uh, held accountable for <laughs> crazy. I mean, Bertolucci was canceled. I know. Yeah. Um, you don't, we don't have to actually play this game. I watch these movies. Is generally trending on Twitter for dumb reasons. I, yeah, people... I don't actually want to play this game. Bud I... Lucky is not alive anymore, sadly. And that transition us into. Found it. I mean, when isn't Bertolucci dead too? By God. Isn't Bertolucci dead too? Who? Yeah, he's dead. Actually, fun fact he died the same year as Bud Lucky. Because uh, I was reading about him, and then in Bud Lucky. All right, so this week we're talking about in our bizarrely like focused build up to the Incredibles, and I say that because normally you know we just do the short. Bef- like actually, no, no. Here's the reason why it feels like we're really building up to the Incredibles, and maybe we'll feel like this down the road with our other films. The thing is, with Knickknack, the film that was released with Finding Nemo was Knickknack, and you know that was several years prior. The short film with. Um, Monsters, Inc. was for the birds, which I guess is just little, but I don't know. It just feels like we're building up to the Incredibles a lot, which is fine. Bounden is the short film that is attached to the Incredibles in theaters. Um, it is the only directorially effort by, I would say, I would say this, I hate to say, because Joe Raft, you know, is considered like, you know, more important. I feel like Bud Lucky, though, is the more... I think he's probably Pixar's most iconic person who has never directed a movie for them. You know, he yeah never directed he's a movie. He's the unsung hero. Yeah, you you know when Bud Lucky pops up. One of the few good things um, John Lasseter did. I, I think it's funny for me to put it like that. But is when he took over Disney Animation, he said, Bud Lucky, do you want to be Eeyore? And Bud Lucky was like, yeah. I do. And he's a great Eeyore. He's a fantastic Eeyore. Yeah. Bud Lucky. We, we, we also... What, yeah. what, I'm sorry, what? Oh, no, I wasn't... I was just... Which... When was he Eeyore? He was Eeyore, was he Eeyore in 2011. Eeyore in the TV show? No, oh, he was 2011. in the, the, the movie. The movie that killed traditional animation. Because, one, you know, it was already on Thin Eyes of Princess of the Frog. And, you know, do you remember what movie Winnie the Pooh randomly opened against the box office, which was by far the stupidest movie to put any movie against? Force Awakens? It's earlier than that. It's 2011. This is pre-Avengers. What was the big mm. franchise pre-Avengers? The Hunger Games. Hunger Games the, is post one. Is post-Avengers? What? Hunger Games opened like two months before Avengers. I mean, like, I'll just tell you. It opened up against the last Harry Potter movie. Oh. Which is a <laughs> dumb, <laughs> very dumb decision. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah. But he's great in that movie. Um, gotcha. You can also tell him this, in this he'd be great as Eeyore. This That's is wild, because I really thought Brad Garrett had been Eeyore for a while. Am I, has Brad Garrett, like, never been Eeyore and I'm just a fool? I think Brad Garrett, Brad Garrett has been Eeyore. No, Brad Garrett, I think, started being Eeyore with that live action movie, but they actually kept him on. Kind of like how, you know, the normal voice of Shaggy now is Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Um, now you got me curious to see when, like, when his first Eeyore credit is. Because I believe it, it, yeah, he is in Christopher Robin. They brought him back for Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh! He played Eeyore in some video games, too, in the 90s. Yeah, man. But Bud Lucky's a good Eeyore. (laughs) 
Okay. Um, I don't think I ever saw that film that was the one that was cute. like... It's got yeah. music by the Frozen people in it. Pre-Frozen. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Yeah, I think, I think mine stopped with the Tigger story. Um, It's very short. It's a 66-minute long movie. Which is another reason I probably didn't do well. Because people were like, why would I spend money to watch a 66-minute long movie when I have other poo movies at home? But it's cute. Can I make a wild left turn it's, and okay. ask you... Because you have a play that is feature length right now yes have you ever had a problem making something feature length i always have the opposite issue i have the Mm -hmm. opposite issue i always have such a problem making something fit within the allotted two-hour runtime of what's acceptable um what do you feel like you cut i well i cut jokes usually i just remember okay to jump to get i can't really give an example of my current play but with the play I wrote in college, one big problem I had with it was it was just really obvious a couple scenes needed to go because it was too long and they weren't funny. But my play in college, to listeners might not be aware, was about a leprechaun who sells his soul to the devil for a shamrock shake on Christmas Eve. Topical. Which part is topical? <laughs> I'll leave it up to you, listeners. I think it's pretty obvious what I mean. It would be funny if you think I'm talking about something else. Um, what? <laughs> topical because it's Christmas Eve but it's like well maybe it's the song Soul of Your Devil I don't know um oh, but yeah yeah that's what it, I well okay go on go on go on <laughs> anyway um but it was basically you know followed the Dante's Inferno's rule of hell where they had to get through hell's layers to get it. it's like well I gotta cut these scenes because some of them aren't funny in particular the scene I remember not working ever was the John Lennon scene and it was like, oh, I think I remember that because everyone was like, it was weird. It, it definitely, Lennon. it definitely is something that if I was to put that play back out in the world, I gotta, gotta severely rewrite that. It does not work in the current form at all. Also, what doesn't work is like Anastasia making a joke like, hey, Fox is Disney now. Isn't that weird? Cause you know, that's not weird anymore. We've all kind of accepted it now. Anastasia's on Disney plus. Um, and also, uh, also, so the listeners know that Anastasia was the name of the character, not the character. Anastasia. I mean, technically, it was thing. the character. Well, no, you're right. You're right. Oh, it, was wait, someone, what? It, it was someone in hell. It wasn't Anastasia in hell. It was someone who impersonated Anastasia. Oh, I thought that was the name of the lead. That's right. I remember that whole thing now. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, no one knows what we're talking about. That'd be a fun yeah. one to do a reading of for a little. It'd <laughs> be long. That'd be thing. like a mini series. <laughs> it's like each yeah, scene is an episode. Do a little audio thing. We'll get some. Oh, I know, thought you meant to record. We've talked about recording like stuff like as audio dramas, I feel like. Like oh yeah, well that's what I meant. It's like a little podcast, a audio drama. Well, that that will either happen or it won't happen. Yeah, we'll um, see. I was just curious about like. Well, what I was going to actually, I heart, you know, I was going to answer your question again because I did remember there was one time I had such an issue making something long. It was the final class of my feminist horror class where we were told we can either do a project or write a paper. Initially, I was going to write a paper. And I was like, I just want to write a play. It would be so much easier for me to just like shit out a play for this professor and hand it to them. I was like, it's going to be a one act. And then I started writing like, this is not a one act play. This is a, this is a, <laughs> this is a, honestly, that play was very weird. I, I, that's a play I'll never pull back out again. But anyway, um, it was like a play that I most had a 10 page story and I had to stretch it to 30 pages and it was just really rough. Um, and so 30 I, I, pages you said yeah it was so hard to stretch to even 30 pages how well how did you do that without going into too much detail i think i just started making go i think it wasn't good to be very clear this is a play that i'll never dig back out again because one mm-hmm. 
it's weirdly hyper-personal about something that feels very incel to me now. <laughs> so I'm like, mm, let's, <laughs> let's keep that one away. Um, yeah. But also, it's like, it's one of those things where it, there were plays I'd always write for Big Muddies, which were the short films, where they wouldn't really be plots, just be conversations. And there are moments in my own plays where I feel like, I think you got this from Maria Kent when we did our test reading. Um, it gets kind of rambly. I just kind of let the characters speak at each other. One of the plays Sarah and I have been working on for about four years now on and off, which we've been off for, but we got to really finish it. We got we to gotta finish it so we can just do a reading of it and figure out what to do with it from there. But anyway, that play... Rather famously, and I say famously because famously among me and Sarah is there's a party scene in it that the first time we wrote it, it was up until that point, the play was 30 pages. By the time we finished writing the party scene, it was 100 pages. The party scene took up over half the script because we literally were just like, all right, let's just jump into this character. Let him like have a fun party bit. And we're like, we'll cut this down later, which is why we haven't finished fixing the draft because it was so much to cut. But... That is generally how I will fill up time is like, I'll just put in a bunch of characters and have them shoot the shit. You know, it's funny. It generally, that's, that's how I get the vibe of writing characters usually, especially at the beginning. Like, for example, for Maria Kent, the big revision I did with it, because we didn't have a lot of time to do revisions with the deadline, was the first 10 minutes of the play, super rambly as was, and it had all the characters up at 11. So I just chunked that entire first scene and rewrote the first scene from scratch because I was like, well, I know who these characters are now. I don't need to figure them out by my writing of them. Um, and yeah, that's how I um, fix that. But if I need to make something long, I generally like, oh, let me just throw in a couple characters here that can be kind of jokey. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issue is of my play in history class, not history class, in feminist horror class was it was very much designed to be two people, one room, something I had never done before. Um, outside of like five minute plays for Little Muddy or Big Muddy. So it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah. I, I remember that was a, definitely a play where i wrote it f- i don't know it was dumb it was not a good play um, yeah that's fine i just thought it, uh, i think i think about that i have a very hard time like none of this means anything because unlike you i have not had something like produced but i was just thinking about this the other day as i was like if you've got something that you can wrap up in 60 minutes like where do you even you know you don't want to pad the time, but how do you create, you know, are you like missing parts of an arc? Do you need more characters? And I can see why that would be a problem with Winnie the Pooh, because you can't do like a Marvel superhero thing every time. You you can't like reintroduce the characters from well, Winnie the Pooh if you need to give them an arc, you know? Well, the thing is with the Pooh movie, and we can get back to, we'll get back to Batman after this. The issue with the Pooh movie is not that there's, it's kind of very structured, like, you know, like the classic Winnie the Pooh movie, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, 4.5 out of 5 stars, great movie. Highly recommend everyone go back on my letterbox and read all my Winnie the Pooh laws from 2018 where I watched all the Winnie the Pooh movies leading up to Christopher Robin. That was a fun project that I'm still really proud of. Um, 100% would write a book on Winnie the Pooh if I had time to watch all the Winnie the Pooh episodes. I think mm-hmm. writing about Pooh would be fun. Um, Disney Pooh, to be clear, not public domain Pooh. Um, but anyway... The issue with the 2011 Winnie the Pooh movie is that it very clearly has two stories kind of that intersect. And the classic Pooh movies, be it the direct-to-video ones or Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, they're generally three stories pushed together. This is only two. The issue is they just need to find another story to fit in there 
probably with a character that wasn't used, <laughs> Gopher, because Gopher isn't in the movie. Mm, probably because gotcha. probably because they were worried John Lasseter forced John Ratzenberger to be it, but who knows? <laughs> I were, did, did, would John Ratzenberger not want to be Gopher? We don't. Want, he might want to be. We don't want him. To be. <laughs> I didn't know you were so attached to Gopher. I mean, Gopher's not in because Gopher's not in the book. But also, okay. Winnie the Pooh, Disney Winnie the Pooh is such a separate entity at this point from the book Winnie the Pooh that, like, who cares? Like, you know, like, who cares about sincerity to the book with Winnie the Pooh now that it's in the public? Especially now it's in the public domain. Like, who cares? Disney can do whatever they want with it. It's their own thing now. And then we have public domain Pooh now, too. Okay. Well, Bounden. So, Bounden. Bud Lucky did, like, everything for this short. Except for how many people it takes to make an animated film. He wrote, direct, he did the music, and he played, he did Every all character. of the voices. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he does the sheep as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's, this is really like a look into him, I guess. Well, before we get so into any analysis impressive. or talking about personal history with Bounden, let's give our basic. Well, never mind take. Bounden. Let's talk about something else. No, I'm right literally now. saying no. I'm literally saying let's drop our basic takes on Bounden. Like, oh, well, do okay, we, okay. Do we like That's it? Right. We do, do have we an dislike outline. We haven't it? used it in a while. Well, I don't even have that lineup, but I'm just saying it'd be nice for us to like come into this, oh, um, knowing where each other. Like, unlike last time, I was like, let's be vague about what we thought about batteries not included in Family Dog. Whereas this time, I'm like, no, we fake. <laughs> We weren't. I said, let's I be vague, and then we were So We were well, no, very I said, I'm pretty sure I said, let's be vague, and then we immediately said what our takes were. <laughs> oh, but this time, yeah. I'm like, well, let's just say the takes. So what yeah. did you think about him? I liked it. It's a strange... It doesn't, like, go down easy, because I think the sound effects are, like, like spine-tingling when he, like, wipes okay. his nose and that sort of thing. Um, I, I, but... I liked it. I think if the thing has a flaw, like a very noticeable flaw, it's the character design of the sheep when it's shaved because it looks just like that thing from Harry Potter that I don't know because I don't watch Harry Potter. I'm kidding. I know his name. It's Dobby. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, But beyond that, I think this is probably the best show we've watched so far. I think it's very sweet. It very clearly is aiming for this tone of being like a children's book. Um, Yeah. The message is nice, even though it's a little silly, but it's okay because that's what good children's books are. And mm-hmm. Bud Lucky's voice be again, it's really the fact that Bud Lucky voices everything and narrates it that gives it that children's book vibe. But I don't know, yeah. I really like it. And I think it has some really cool camera movements too. I like when it bounds and the camera just like it doesn't really feel like the camera's moving, it feels like the environment is rotating to match the camera. I like that. Yeah. Um it's just I think it's really lovely. Like it's a very I don't even want to call it cute. It's it feels very sincere and nice. Um, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because to me, this is um this is probably one of the first ones I really have a strong memory of what my feeling was when I saw it as a kid. And I I hated this as a kid. I just wanted to watch. I wanted to see superheroes. I wanted to watch The Incredibles. What is this even this dumb story about a jackalope and a ugly sheep? I don't care about this thing. And now I'm like, oh no, this is really nice. Yeah. What you mentioned about it being a children's story, I kind of wanted to be contrarian and say, or uh, well, maybe not contrarian, but just be like, oh, well, you can't let you, if those people are making fun of you, they're not really your friends, sheep. Like, you, you should recognize that. That's what this story should be about. I want to make this story, darn it, but it's just about him learning to dance and love himself. So, that's oh, cool. Oh, but again, like, I'm nice. And again, like, how, Bud Lucky. 
was pretty old at Pixar, like, always. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like, oh, what an old guy. But, like, what, this came out in 2003 at a festival. Obviously, it opened with um, Incredibles in 04. He was 69 when this movie came out. Nice. He served <laughs> in the Korean War. <laughs> oh, sweet. He should be in Devotion. About Maybe. Who knows what Devotion is about? It's about the Korean War. But the trailer is only referred to it as America's Forgotten War. And in case you didn't get that, in the movie itself, there's a scene where uh, one of the generals goes, I feel like this war is destined to be a forgotten one. <laughs> That's That was my question. Is is there a scene in the Fablemans where some, like, I don't know, the, do they you go to couples therapy and someone says, the Fablemans? Next? Or something like that. It was like, like even if we get really divorced, we'll always drops. be the Fablemans. You're really obsessed with title drops this episode because you're like, so how often do they say, how quick does it take for them to say glass onion and glass onion? That's, <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's I don't know why that's on my brain. I, 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 I was, you know, I'm thinking about that because I watched The Departed today and the they departed. say The Departed like three times. Yeah, well, and it, it's, well glass it onion, makes sense in the movie, but it's kind of like. It sounds a bit like this. This case is like a glass onion. <laughs> <laughs> wow seemingly full of layers but you can see straight through it oh my <laughs> uh-huh. okay Mark's like I don't like that that means if I predict it Ryan Johnson predicted I'd predict it anyway <laughs> yeah man I don't want to that's that's kind of my thing about a lot of movies is if I can watch it in my head then there's no reason for me to go to the and theater you can and watch see this it. one like, in your head because I... you saw the first one <laughs> yeah well if i'm you know i can also be like i can like google search the pandemic and you know ryan johnson to me is like i don't know do i want this take out there in the world you know <laughs> you that joke be, people make you about be a room johnson person <laughs> what you know if you always like room johnson uh i've never heard that oh you, you got you gotta, you gotta say also us starting on thanksgiving made you lucky i didn't talk about andor again because it ended and it was great I won't get into it because we're talking about Bounden right now. <laughs> we're talking about Ryan Johnson and we're talking about Devotion. And now we're back to Bud Lucky. I've tracked this back unless you had something you really wanted to say about any of those topics before. I like how I just felt like I feel like I vocally backspaced to, to, <laughs> to where we were. <laughs> I just, uh, well, whatever. Uh, like, he just annoys me so much, but he seems like a very nice person. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's like poisoning my mind. Um, okay. <laughs> you literally are like some redditor right now. Like, I just, Ryan Johnson I just, is poisoning no, my mind. I really mind. have no... I don't want to argue about this because I was thinking that I don't like when we argue about movies. It's just... It awakens something in me. Just because I, I feel... The force awakens. <laughs> yeah. The force awakens something in me. Bring... Yeah. That's my take. Bring back J.J. Abrams. Yeah, that won't go bad. That won't go bad at all. Uh, That's (laughs) speaking of dramatic lines in movies. (laughs) Um, Bound, bound, this bound. What what kind of an onion is it? A glass onion, (laughs) directed by J.J. Abrams. I'm sorry. No, 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 Um, no. J.J. Abrams would be like. What kind of mystery was this? And Bernard Blanc would like, you could say it was a knives out mystery. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Just, just, just a side note. 
<laughs> Last thing I'll say about Ryan Johnson, I promise. Unless Mark brings up again. I do appreciate of all this shit I've been giving Netflix about it is that they did not force the Knives Out mystery dumb subtitle to be on the movie itself. It's nowhere on the film itself. It's just glass onion on screen. And I appreciate that. I'm tired of the Unfortunately, branding. Unfortunately, that's the one thing I liked. I, I have liked about it is that it's a Knives Out mystery. I would like for there to be a series of movies with a really long title that ends with a Knives Out mystery. So I'm disappointed if Netflix says that's going. <sighs> Mark cannot be pleased by anything Ryan Johnson does. <laughs> <laughs> I just, here's, here's, you know, people say about Paul Schrader, some of his more recent movies have been like, he'll Google a topic. And then he'll just write the script about what he found on Google search. And Sorry, I feel wait. like I feel I, like Ryan Johnson does that with Twitter. Let me explain to you why I'm laughing here. Because and I'm having like intense deja vu now, is that the reason the movie is titled Glass maybe I said this on this podcast before, but the reason the movie is titled Glass Onion is because he came up with this idea for a central metaphor about something glass that you can see straight through even though it doesn't look like it. And he his first movie Knives Out is named after the Radiohead song, so he pulls up his iTunes. And he types in glass, and the Beatles song Glass Onion pops up first. He's like, all right, that sounds good. Like, he said that in interviews, so... Yeah. You're not, you're not entirely wrong on the Googling part. Yeah, well, I'm just like, that's that's what Knives Out felt like to me. It's like, these are not observations about real people. These people are just like... these. They're like... Every one of them is like a straw man, and just put a bunch of them in a room... And then get Daniel Craig. Well, then you Craig probably like Glass Onion that much, even though I think Glass Onion is better at using its ensemble than Knives Out is. Um, well, you, t- yeah, I don't know, you, whatever. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't like Glass Onion that much. That's just, I don't know. Ryan Johnson seems like a genuinely cool dude. I do not like his films. That's just. Do you like Bud Lucky's films? Disagree about. Do you like Bud Lucky's films? His film. Bud his single film? film. Yeah, his single yeah. film. I like Bud Lucky's films. <laughs> singular. And, <laughs> yeah. singular. Well, he, he actually, made one movie. He was very he was very prolific as an animation director and he worked in advertising and he just made a lot of commercials before Pixar even existed. So he was it's incredible what a you know, not, no parts of this film to me maybe maybe we could talk about this. No parts of this film seem to be lacking in any one of its dimensions and hearing that he was responsible for so many aspects of it is really amazing i mean it really does feel like a story from the heart in a sense that i'm very curious about it oh my god sorry i just looked at the thing it's the cars dvd includes the cars version of this movie and i'm just oh that's right yeah Uh, well yeah instead of watching another one of bud lucky's films i actually did watch the cars version Is it revoiced or is it still Bud Lucky's voice on all of those cars? It's Bud Lucky's voice, but it's basically the film. It's base. It's um, Mater and Lightning are watching the film at a drive-in, and for whatever reason, they see themselves as the characters on the screen. So it's the audio is all the same, but you see Mater like jumping up and down, like they digitally erased the the jackalope and just put him in there. And that's that's it. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad that exists. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. John Lasseter. Yeah, it's an Easter egg on the Cars DVD. Um, this is the first Pixar short that has words in it, besides Mike's new car. I think it uses those words pretty well. Well, you know, you're right. Um, Mike's new car was a DVD exclusive, so 
I think this is the first pre um pre uh feature length short that has words. I did notice yeah, this one. You're right, you're right. If you watch this on Disney Plus, you'll notice that it's seven minutes long and three minutes of those are localization teams. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of Disney Plus shows. <laughs> I remember seeing like freaking out like over like why is this enchanted I haven't watched it yet, but why is this enchanted two hours long? It's like, no, it's the first movie is according to Disney Plus 151 minutes, and the first movie is 100. And, that's four minutes of localization credits on the first Enchanted. So I haven't seen the new one yet, but it's like, all right. So these these localization credits are too much. You haven't are seen they, Disenchanted yet? No, I haven't. I I want to rewatch the first one. I still haven't got around to rewatching the first one. Mm. I have to watch it because of the the podcast of us not being named on here. So. Because you get mad every time I mention it on this podcast, so I won't mention it right now. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we should all, let's all watch, rewatch Disenchanted. Let's all rewatch Enchanted? Enchanted, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Should that be a Christmas episode instead? <laughs> uh, I don't think that'd be very on brand. I think we'll watch that anyway. But, like, we need to, we need to think of something on brand. Um, Yeah. I um, really, you know, I, it's interesting that you mentioned that you were grossed out by the sheep or were you not grossed, even grossed out, out by it? It just looks implying? derivative. It just looks derivative of the thing from Harry Potter to mm. me. It's a very weird. And I also honestly think I look at the uh, poster right now on Wikipedia and it's like, even him with the, what's the word? The wool, even him with the wool doesn't look that great to me. It's just a weird old man face, and I don't think it really works for what this is, because it feels like he's supposed to be kind of like a baby, and you know, and then of course the jackal comes on and is like, oh, I'm going to be your mentor, son, and it's like, great, mm. um, but I don't know, the I design know just mean. doesn't, the, it's really the face and the design doesn't work for me. I think it's too wrinkly. That's a valid take. Mine was very general. I was like, did you think the sheet was gross? I mean, <laughs> but, no, it kind very... of is gross. I think right. that might have been another reason I didn't like this as a kid, but now I don't mind it because, one, I think this whole short has, maybe it's because I'm watching it on HD on Disney+. Plus. I've never done it that way before. But I think the lot, every time I've watched this short before, it's been like my DVD copy of The Incredibles. I think this short actually, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I think all these things kind of look like, kind of like cute little not even toys, but like curios that are fuzzy that you have around. Yeah. Like, I think that's what the gophers look like, definitely. And the fish. And then you got the jackalope and the um, sheep that look more Pixar character. But like, the jackalope still looks like, oh, that's cute. Like, I'd buy a plush toy of the jackalope. But then the sheep's like, even with the wool, I wouldn't want a plush toy of that. It's got a creepy face. <laughs> it's got. But it's also it's, it doesn't it kill the short. Cool it's all wooled up. No, I think it the looks... sh- I think the face still looks bad with the wool. It looks like Roy Orbison. I'd... Okay, great. That's yeah, definitely a reference to this podcast all right. right now. I don't know who that is. <laughs> well, whatever. I'm uh, for my fun. I'm not going to tell you who he is. Okay, great. Um, but I I don't know. I I like the sheep. I think it's interesting seeing they you know this is kind of a weird one because it's this is like auteur time now this is what bud lucky wants it's interesting seeing this in the continuum of pixar movies where they're kind of like this this one didn't feel groundbreaking to me 
like a lot of the other ones have been, despite the the dialogue which I'll... the movies have had before. But I think this is this is a lot of just like all this stuff just works. I'm about to say something that's going to sound ridiculously pretentious. I would say the okay. groundbreaking part of this short is that it doesn't feel groundbreaking. It just that's feels just like it said. are. Well, you didn't say it the way I just said it. The way I just said okay. it was like, it's groundbreaking because it's not groundbreaking. This is finally where I feel like Pixar is comfortable enough in its own skin <laughs> that fits with what this film is about. But it feels mm-hmm. like it's finally comfortable. Like, all right, yeah, we'll just give it to one of our animators and they can handle it. You know? Yeah. And like, I think... I do think, yeah, you're right to give the author because I I want to I did want to compare this at some point to a short film that I always defend, but I haven't seen since theaters, so maybe I'll hate it whenever we watch for this podcast. But I remembered one of the big discussions in summer 2015 was how bad the lava short was. I personally always felt that was overblown. I don't think the lava short is that bad, and we'll talk Doesn't about lava. Like the lava short. I don't know if the, they actually like it or if it's like an ironic thing. I um, thought we were having them on for the lava short, like specifically. I think that's, it might be an like ironic thing. I know about that. I think it might be an ironic thing, but I do like. I mean, we can get into it now because if we have a guest for lava short, I do want to. Let me see if I can find the most popular letterbox review for lava because I feel like the most popular letterbox review for lava perfectly sums up what most people think about lava. Uh, okay, well, David Elric, which is not the most popular one, just says a half star and says this is an act of war. Um, all right. Okay. <laughs> Will, I, don't, I don't even remember it. Will McClay once said, <clears throat> I bet Ringo Starr loved the shit out of this. He probably sat there watching the movie, nudging his friends with the biggest grin on his face. Ah! Oh, sorry. Let me do a British accent so I can be Ringo. I, they love each other. <laughs> he says at the end of the short because of the short film. <laughs> yeah, it's only my Ringo. I just, I just find it funny because you know every the Beatles all kind of are very distinct voices, <laughs> so I'm surprised that that's your Ringo. Oh, I assure you. Just side note, side, side bar very quickly. You remember that game we talked about before? On this podcast where it's like I made movies and stuff. One of my favorite things I ever wrote for that game was around the time of the Johnny Johnny meme. And the name of the movie was... I'm sure I've told you about this before. But it was called Johnny Johnny Yes Papa. Making movie No Papa. Telling lies. No Papa. Open... No. Buy tickets now. Ha ha ha. Um, the movie. That was the outside the movie thing. In case you did not get that this was a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And Ringo Starr was in it. I think he played... Uh, oh, I'd have to look it up. I don't remember exactly who I had Ringo Starr play in it. But his song was... The song Bagel Was My Friend. Because the movie opens with Bagel being... The Bagel being murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bagel is a knock... Is the bass voice by Edward Norton. And it's just this character from Sausage Party. And he's making this children's movie. <laughs> wow, Johnny Johnny Yes Papa. That was like our entire group chat. I love Johnny bit. Johnny Yes Papa. <laughs> that was like the only way we communicated with each other for a while. <laughs> that was a good meme. I was really sad, I think, a couple of years ago when I went on YouTube to look them up again. They all got removed. And I was like, no, the best one is gone. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, they love each other. 
He says it because <laughs> I'm Ringo Starr. I'm he says here to the... tell you about myself. Oh, kindness. <laughs> anyway, that's what Ringo says in the closed short film. When he arrives home later at night, he begins to compose a rock opera based on the love of two volcanoes because he's touched by the great act of love between the two mountains in the short. Paul McCartney then gets a phone call at 1 a.m. from an exceedingly excited Ringo Starr, and he sits there politely listening to his friend recount the story of the movie he saw and offers to listen to the first few ideas and songs he has for his album called Lava Love Songs. Hours later, Paul and Ringo end their conversation. Paul flicks off the bedside lamp and utters into the darkness one phrase. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I think that is most people's opinion on the lava short. Is that it's bad. Is Ringo Starr involved with lava? No, this is just a little sample <laughs> review on Letterboxd. Dude. <laughs> oh, but this wasn't the famous critic David Ehrlich? No, David Ehrlich, I already told you, David Ehrlich is just, this is an act of war, half a star. Oh, that's right. (laughs) I don't remember this movie at all, I've got to watch it. Um, No, you should just wait till we we get around to it, because it really is, it's really special. (laughs) Can we do a, oh no, I'm going to watch it right after this, I've got to make dinner. Um, We need to do an SNL parody of a Beatles biopic where you do all the voices. Oi, I'm Ringo. <laughs> and I'm John Harrison. I, I just I just like that your <laughs> Paul voice was John like Harris. Bill Hader in Running Round to Reround. Yeah, I mean, I liked... I liked Bounden. I think that it's nice to see a film this contemporary that sounds very storytelling. A lot of the Pixar shorts don't feel like they feel very pure filmy in a way that this film. This that's I guess that's my big takeaway from this film is that this film is like very not pure film, um, which I really liked. It so. definitely feels like you know. This is the type of thing you show to kids. Um, once at my job, we had to show a bunch of mo- short films. I didn't pick this one because I remember when I was a kid, I hated this. Honestly, when I was a kid, I did not like this short film. Um, but we had to pick a bunch of shorts to show kids. But I feel like this is something where a um, friend of the podcast and eventual guest Caleb Bunn once told me that he showed the Pixar short Presto to teach kids like how storytelling works. But I think this is a very clear, oh, here's... Th- Here's status quo. Oh no, status quo erupted. How do we solve problem? Oh, person comes in to help. Nice life solution. Happy ending. You know, like it's a very simple, and it's a way. Like I feel like most of the Pixar shorts up until now have been gag shorts, just kind of just. I mean, I, I've commented some of them. Most of them do just like like. Oh, it's time for the ending. So here's the final. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a very clear, like, oh, it's sweet and it's nice, and I think that's also why it's kind of jarring because you know you're used to at this point the Pixar short film before the movie being like this really funny comedy, and here's this just nice story. It is a nice, story. yeah, it's nice, yeah. And let's talk about how Brad Bird was going to ruin it very quickly. According to Wikipedia, oh, Br- yeah, sure. In the commentary for The Incredibles, um, he really wanted to open the movie with Rick Dicker, his character from The Incredibles, who I'm sure we'll talk about next time. Bud Lucky's character. From yeah, Bud Lucky's character. Yeah, Brad Bird plays Edna Mode, who we'll also talk about next time, I'm sure. Um, 
But um, Rick Dicker walks in the room, pulls out a bottle of booze and a banjo. He's like, let me tell you a story. And then that's when the short film begins. And I'm like, that would have been terrible. That would, like, don't make a joke. out. This is so sweet and nice. I really mm. like it. Yeah. I, I hate that we don't have much to say, but it is also kind of just there. I think we talked about a lot. I feel like we talked about Ryan Johnson a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of those episodes where we use it as a way to talk about our lives, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I, I, I like... We still talk about the short enough. I feel like we got... The main points we talk about, and Bud Lucky we'll talk about again, you know, with Incredibles and Toy Story. So, yeah, and I think you know, like, like you said, this film is very much Pixar being content with itself, not content with itself, but just they know what they're doing and they do it well, so they feel comfortable. The difference is that they have just one guy doing everything, but yeah, the it just works. Maybe maybe that's the era we're about to be in, the the era of Pixar working. It's kind of interesting to go on this project with me not having perfect memory of all the films to watch this and just be like, oh man, maybe what if this is the new era we're entering where Pixar will have complete command of its resources? I feel like I'm watching it for the first time. I feel like, you're, I feel like uh, you're like really excited and it's like one of those things where there's a dramatic irony because of the film after the incredibles what happens after the incredibles cars cars happens isn't cars fine it's fine sure it's fine it's not great i don't think you're i think we'll talk about cars cars. cars. we'll have plenty of time to talk about cars down the road yeah um all right do we want to we want to wrap it up do we want to give it anything what do you want to give it i know what i'm giving it Um, yeah, well, you go with what you want to give it. So, to fit with the accidental theme of this episode, and because I feel bad for the poor sheep, I'm going to give Bounden Chris Evans' wool sweater from the original Knives Out movie. Oh, man. <laughs> That's really nice. I'm, I'm glad that... All comes together now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard for me to wrap it up as well as that. Um, That's why I offered you first. <laughs> well, y- yeah, and I didn't have anything. That's why I offered you first. <laughs> Um, I want to give it, the thing about Bud Lucky, I don't know if we'll talk about this again, but, uh, Bud Lucky passed away, I guess, like, before, just before Incredibles 2, so his character is played by Jonathan Banks, and then Incredibles 2 is dedicated to Bud Lucky, um, so, I, I just, I would want to, I would want to give Bud Lucky some, some money, just to see if he makes a sequel where, like, the sheep teaches dancing to other sheep. I just, you know, let's give him <laughs> that Powerball money. I was, gonna, I was expecting to give him, like, I don't I don't think Jonathan Banks has an Emmy, but I thought you were going to like, I'm going to give him Jonathan Banks' Emmy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you meant, like, I want to give Jonathan Banks an Emmy. No, I'm going to take Jonathan Banks' have... Emmy and just give it to Bud Lucky. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to give him an Emmy. He doesn't have an Emmy. I'm going to give Jonathan Banks an Emmy. Okay. And, <laughs> all right. We're giving what's the next lucky film? Funding for Bounded Two. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, our next film, everyone here should be well aware of because we've been talking about this whole episode is The Incredibles. It will be our last episode, normal episode of the year. So, and we have a very special guest coming on. Um, hopefully, I always say hopefully because you never know if things are going to fall through. But currently, we have my former co-host on my podcast. Tyler of Wise with Ty and Dan, Tyler Borland coming on to talk about the Incredibles. So we'll talk about superhero stuff. It'll be a good time. 
Yeah, we've been doing this for half a year. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is crazy, especially because now, like, uh, maybe I should say the retrospective stuff till Christmas, but it is like, whoa, weekly podcast. Crazy. Yeah, sorry to bring it up. I was just, no, like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. man. It's just that it's weekly, you know? I'm like, wow, yeah, I've been watching this stuff pretty weekly. For yeah. Well, thank God it's weekly because this is a three-year project. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it will it will probably end up by the time we reach those three years, more like three and a half years, because of the stuff that will come out between now and then. So yeah, yeah. Da 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 da. Star Trek theme. Oh, that's right. You did open the episode saying you didn't want to sing because we're uh, you know yeah. bookended by songs. So so just imagine. Let's the go to the theme. only way we can close it, which was with Mark finally dropping his banal Blanc impression. <laughs> Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. Our original artwork was done by Sarah Knopf, and each episode is edited by me. If you'd like to be notified about new episodes, you can find us on Facebook at Looking for the Ocean of Pixar Journey, on Twitter at Pixar Journey, on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and on our website, lookingfortheoceanpixar.podbean.com. If you want to know what I'm up to or find me on social media, you can head over to markyoungperformer.com. And if you'd like to see all my takes on all the movies, you can find me on Letterboxd at Blankman's. If you'd like to hear me on another podcast, I also have The Snub Club, a podcast about film history. We'll see you next time. See you next time.